Hello, and welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod, the podcast that wants your business to succeed in partnership with your health, not at the expense of it. Today, we're going to talk about why so many entrepreneurs struggle with chronic pain and what to do about it. My guest is the fabulous Dr. Andrea Moore, a doctor of physical therapy, board-certified orthopedic specialist, certified life coach, and certified thriving method facilitator, nutritional therapy practitioner, and host of the Unweaving Chronic Pain podcast. She brings an incredibly nuanced, well-rounded, and helpful perspective to chronic pain that I can't wait to share with all of you. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, Dr. Andrea. Welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod. Would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Yes. First off, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's so great to see you again. And yeah, I am Dr. Andrea Moore. And I always struggle with introductions. It's like, where do I even go? But I am the founder of the Whole Self Integration Method, a chronic pain specialist. And Really what I help people with is if you are struggling with chronic pain and it feels like it is shrinking your life, I'm all about helping you reclaim your life and get your life back again. And if we want to go into how I got here, I'm happy to do that. But I figure I'll start with that. I'm also a wife and a mom to a six-year-old and a cat. And I never thought I'd be a cat person, but here I am finding myself watching videos of cats now. And it's like, okay, um, that's where I am. (laughs) And yeah, that, that's that's just a teensy bit about me. Awesome. So um, I actually know you because I was lucky enough to participate in your Pain to Power group program, which was um, revolutionary for me. I'm a mm. chronic pain BB. I've struggled with migraines, as I've said on the podcast before. And then also um, I did a brand storytelling package for Dr. Andrea. And while I was working on that, it's like we go through the messaging and your brand pillars. I was like, wow, our clients are kind of the same, which is interesting because I help people with marketing and business and you've helped people with chronic pain. And um, so just to give you all a sense of who I work with, mine are all entrepreneurs, especially coaches, clinicians, healers, and creatives, which is an overlap with Dr. Andrea. Um, Most of my clients have some sort of marginalized identity, whether like um, being a woman in business, being queer, being BIPOC, at least, probably at least one or a few intersecting marginalized identities. And we're doing, we're own our own businesses in unusual fields. And that is quite an overlap with you, Dr. Andrea. So why do you think so many of our our favorite people struggle with chronic pain? Oh my gosh. Uh, So many reasons, honestly. But I think one of the big ones is that we finally live in a time where it is safe to be yourself as that identity. And there's a lot of pains that come with visibility and with stepping into your true self. And chronic pain, I look at very much as a message that is that your body is sending of something that needs to be healed. And I think so many people who are in the entrepreneur world have some type of marginalized identity. There's often a lot of healing that either needs to be done for their lifetime or ancestrally. And we, I'm like a big, it's like age of Aquarius world now. And we're moving into this new time where it's like all of a sudden there's like just a massive push towards healing. And in order for things to heal, it has to be brought up to the surface. Awareness has to be made around it. We have to be willing to look at it. And pain is one of the best ways to get us to stop and pay attention. And often that's why it comes through that way. Yeah. And I'd love to like back up and have you explain like scientifically what pain is, because you have such an interesting, well-rounded perspective. You are a doctor of physical therapy, you're a life coach. You've approached this from a a strictly medical scientific perspective. You created your own method, which kind of addresses everything, like what you were just mentioning, the marginalized identities, the um, ancestral baggage, et cetera. Um, but first, before I get too ahead of myself, <laughs> what is chronic pain? Like, how does yeah. the make us feel that? <laughs> yeah. So chronic pain from like a definition standpoint is literally any pain that's lasted anywhere more than three to six months. That is basically what the literature has to say about chronic pain. So it's a very, very broad definition, which is important because different chronic pain is here for different reasons. And 
yes, my background is very traditional physical therapy. I'm a board certified orthopedic specialist. And I very much came into this work from the more conventional approach, although I was always super into the holistic side of things anyways. <laughs> but, you know, I learned what it was like from the neuroscience perspective. And when I started working in the clinic, I kept getting clients who had this long history of chronic pain and they did not match the textbooks, right? It's like, I'm like a brand new physical therapist. And it's like, here's all your protocols. And here's what you do for somebody who's coming after an ACL tear or after a sprained ankle. And I'm like, yeah, my clients don't have any of that. They're like, I've had 40 years of pain and it makes no sense. And a lot of what the research set or not research, sorry, a lot of what you learn is like a little bit of either they're faking it, they want attention, or, you know, it's kind of this like learn to live with it approach, send them to like psychotherapy, it's all in the head. And I was like, that can't be the whole thing. Plus, I also had chronic pain. And I knew I wasn't faking it. <laughs> I knew I wasn't making it up. Right. And so I was like, there's just got to be more. And I was lucky enough at the time to be in a residency program that really went into the depths of the neuroscience. So I learned again from very medical background, a little bit more about what chronic pain is and what creates it. And at the end of the day, all chronic pain, no matter what the original causes is due to an oversensitization of the nervous system. So it kind of the most simplest explanation. It's like maybe let's say there was an injury. It's, you know, some point someone sprained their ankle and it takes about three, depending on the, the, the how um, severe the sprain is anywhere from, I mean, three days to three months, maybe up to six months and like super severe cases for the injuries or for the tissues to heal. And the tissues are healed then. However, in some people and up to 25% of people, which is a massive percentage, it's not like it's some teeny, you know, small percentage of people. What they found was that tissues heal, but the pain persists. So, you know, on an MRI, on imaging, it's like, well, everything's healed or it's, it's healed as the best it's kind of going to get but the pain is still there and there's really no reason for it. And we could bring in a whole lot of stuff about imaging and that like, there's a ton of people who have things on their images that have no pain. So images don't even correlate with pain in the first place. So I mean, we could talk more about that, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> but, but so the point is it's like tissues heal, but pain persists. So we now know that pain can exist in the absence of any tissue damage. And what it is, is from an oversensitization of the nervous system. And so often what people are doing, you know, maybe they're going to physical therapy and they're like, keep working on their ankle. Well, I got to strengthen more. I got to like get more massage around my ankle and all this stuff. And it's all targeted at the ankle, but none of it is actually aimed at reducing what, why is the nervous system sensitization there in the first place? And what is about this particular injury that like led to a sensitized nervous system and what the research shows us, like, this is very much from like a very research oriented neuroscience perspective is things like fear, anxiety, stress, previous injuries, beliefs about pain and beliefs about injuries, all are just some of the things that can uh, make someone more susceptible to be in that um, group of people who has persistent pain. All of this is so fascinating. And I just wanted to pull out one more sciencey thing that I learned in pain to power that blew my mind, which was that you said there's no actual pain receptors mm. in the body. So um, all pain is an interpretation from your brain. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And unfortunately, I feel like the all pain is created in your brain has become something that doctors have like used against people or has been like, in a really shaming way, but but it's true. <laughs> but I always like to tell people that if a doctor ever tells you that of like, oh, all pains created your brain, therefore, you should just like get over it, you can kick him in the balls, because I'll assume it's a man. And you can be like, well, that was created in, in your brain, too. So get over it. Because like, literally all pain is created in the brain. Like even if you stuck a knife in your thigh right now, that's created in your brain, the pain. So like it, it's a, helpful. Yeah. There's like a clear evolutionary reason why our brains would want us to feel pain in the instance of being kicked in the balls or getting stabbed in the thigh, right? Because it yes. wants to protect us from tissue damage. So when you say it's an oversensitization of the nervous system, when we just get stuck in these pain cycles, um, would it be accurate to say that your 
body is interpreting an ongoing danger that is not being addressed oftentimes. Yes, yes. And the key then becomes, and I think this is where so much of the nuance and the tools come in is, is there a danger, not in the sense of like a life-threatening danger. I mean, obviously if there's a life-threatening danger, we want to know about that. But assuming we've ruled out life-threatening danger, you're not currently being, you know, like your leg's not falling off and you're not bleeding out. Like you probably rule that out if you have chronic pain. Um, it's like, is there some type of like sub life or death threat that is there that is worth addressing? Or is your brain like calling something a threat that actually is not a threat? And I love to give the example of a car alarm because I feel like we've all walked by those cars that it's like you look at it the wrong way and the car alarm goes off. That's like a great example of an oversensitization of it's like, dude, the wind just blew. Like there's no actual threat. However, the sound is just as loud. It is just as real. So I think that is the other really, really big thing to just make sure that anybody listening knows is that even if your body is, you know, oversensitive about a threat that actually just isn't a threat, it turns out your body's scared of something that, you know, it just, it's just not a valid threat anymore. It doesn't mean the pain isn't real. Like the pain is just as real. In fact, I think it's even more frustrating when you don't know the cause. Like it, it literally actually, like, I think hurts more sometimes when you do not know the cause and do not understand your pain than when, like, I think we've all stubbed our toe and it hurts, but like, you don't have the emotional, like, you know, um, height around it. Cause it's like, okay, that just sucks, but I know why it's here. It's going to go away. Um, so yeah, I forget the original question. I think I just went off on a tangent there, but. Oh no, this is so fascinating. Like, yeah, I think like one of my major takeaways from your program was that like my chronic pain was really a protective me mechanism. Like I'll, for me, I'll get personal, like my chronic pain flares up when I am in unhealthy relationships. So it was very, very, very bad um, when some of the closest relationships to me were not healthy. And then I moved and the I like literally didn't have a migraine for a few months, which was I'd been having them like 17 days a month. And then I got in another unhealthy relationship and they came back. So I'm like, oh, wow. Like migraines are like wildly unpleasant and feel debilitating, but like in a weird way, they're trying to protect me. They're like, okay, we told you to get out. We told you to get out. We told you to get out. You didn't, now we'll make you. We'll just yes. make you down. But the other funny thing is that um, it also showed up when I had a really unexpectedly successful launch where I just had like a whole ton of new people flood in and suddenly they were expecting things from me and I was on call and like my body was just like, and we're going into freeze. Have <laughs> we are just shutting down and hibernating. And so it's so interesting that like, it makes more sense why a migraine would show up to try to protect me from like relationships that were damaging, but that it also showed up when it was like, you just got a bunch of new clients or a bunch of new money or a bunch of new attention, which is all stuff we think we want. Um, have you noticed that with your other entrepreneur clients? Like they make some up level in their business and suddenly they're having a pain flare up. Oh, massively. Yes. 100%. And I want, I just want to just give some space to the vulnerability of what you're able to share and just be like, how beautiful is it that your pain is like your body is just sharing like, Hey, like there's something is wrong here. And in your case, it was such a beautiful example of like, here's a threat and it is a real threat, right? Like your body was really attuned to this and you have this sort of reliable, I'm going to say that because I'll give some nuanced thing of you know, hey, like in future relationships, it might, you know, migraines might be your sign of like, ooh, is this person safe or not? And it's going to be a to, to find out, right? Because it's also possible that you might get, meet someone who's very safe and that feels threatening, which it speaks to your other thing of sometimes we get things that we want and having safety can feel like a threat. And so what you were speaking to, even with all these clients coming in, I feel like that probably really ties into the relationship bit of like, where are your boundaries with the relationships? Are these people safe, right? It's like your body was like, hold up, this is a whole lot of relationships to manage all of a sudden. 
And so it's like back up, pause. And, and it was probably really trying to regulate around that. But yes, in terms of like money coming in or, or again, safe relationships coming in or like you have this dream job offer come in, so often pain absolutely can flare up if say, if you're not used to having things like that. If that in itself, sometimes feeling good is the threat, especially if you're somebody who grew up in like a more chaotic environment or had a lot of childhood trauma, or like maybe you had a really good childhood and then there was like a horrible event that happened and your body kind of like, I feel like I hold this pattern a lot when, especially when you look at like my lineage, it makes a lot of sense where it's like, things were good. And then shit hit the fan. So your body's like, oh no, things are good. That means some sh- the other shoe's about to drop. Like get ready for it, right? And so it's about unweaving your past, unweaving what you hold and really looking at it to be like, what is true for you? Why is your body acting like this is the threat? Yeah, I think I'm I'm noticing with my clients that any unfamiliar circumstance, good or bad, even if it's like getting your goals, your body often interprets it as dangerous because it's mm-hmm. like, well, we have no evidence we can survive this because we haven't yet. <laughs> yes. Uncertainty like that. That's just uncertainty, right? Like our brains. And I think the the threat around uncertainty, what you're speaking to, I think that was like such a such a common pattern. It's like it doesn't even matter what it is. It's just new. When you kind of have this threat response to uncertainty, I think it's often a very much a sign that you are living in a more fight or flight state, even if you don't feel like you are, because often people don't feel like they are. They're just like running on adrenaline and they're fine. You know, they're like, I'm just so used to being in this state at all times, which is me. <laughs> um, and and so when when we're in fight or flight, uncertainty, right? Something new, it's like, is this safe or not, right? Like we're so attuned to that, like, is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? And a lot of times that's just not a bad thing. What I love to tell people is like, nothing's gone wrong. Like that's your brain's job to be like, this is new. Like, let me test it out, right? It's not, not to compare us to rats, but like when you take a rat <laughs> And you put it in a new environment, it could be the safest environment in the world, but until it's had, it's going to be in like a little bit of a freeze fight or flight state until it's had a chance to check it out. And that's the state it's supposed to be in, right? I think sometimes so often we villainize these states and are like, oh, but I should be so calm and regulated right now where it's like, no, it's something new. Your body's got to check it out. Like just give it the chance to check it out, to feel things out and then allow your state to naturally drop versus being like, oh no, something's gone wrong that I'm, you know, have a pain flare up or that I'm in this fight or flight state. Oh, I love that. With with that in mind, is there anything you'd like to advise entrepreneurs if they're hitting like a new level of clients or followers or visibility and they're noticing their systems are going a little haywire? Um, what should you do? What should you do other than give yourself grace and be like, oh, this is a normal reaction to a new situation? Yeah. I think first or foremost, if it's any of those reasons, especially visibility, we didn't touch on directly, is like visibility is another huge one that can like massively flare up your system and be like, whoa, wait a minute. People can see me now. Is this safe? Right. And so, first of all, celebrate the fact that you have taken an action that has up leveled yourself right? If visibility is setting you off, it's like celebrate the fact that you did something to make yourself more visible. Be like, oh my God, I'm freaking out right now, but this is awesome because I did something. Like I'm the one who did this like in a good way, right? And so giving yourself that sense of celebration for like, I'm I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to push these boundaries and then having, yes, the ultimate grace and compassion with yourself of like, of course I'm freaking out. I just went live on Instagram for the first time. Holy cow, what a big deal that is. And then it's like, you know, even in that state, it's like, let off the excess energy. You might need to go jump around or like put on some music and like, oh, like shake it out. But really giving yourself a chance to celebrate the action you took or the, the milestone you hit. and then bring your, be like, of course this is happening and let yourself see why it's happening and that it's like this positive thing. And then from there, and this could be something that literally happens over a two minute period, or it could be something that happens over days. Allow yourself to just ground down 
my favorite way to do that is to literally like put your hands on your desk, feet on the floor, or like hands on the wall, you know, something like find support. I'm like stroking my wall right now. Find some like support and just look around and breathe and just be like, I am, I am safe right now. Like I physically have safety. I have a roof over my head. I have like wherever you happen to be, right? I have shelter right now and like whatever helps with the safety piece of like, I have food in my fridge or I have a grocery store to go to, to get food. You know, I have keys to get, get to a car and just like reminding yourself of the present safety and kind of ground back in and breathe into that for like 30 seconds. It doesn't have to be a long time, but really enough to really wire in that safety from that new experience into your body. And that helps your body see it as this new, safe, exciting thing. Oh, this is so good. I keep wanting to go on in 12 different tangents, but I, I definitely <laughs> wanted to um, give you an opportunity to speak about, I know for a long time, I just wanted, I wish there was some way to get rid of my pain. But when we were working on your messaging framework, it was really important to you. We didn't use language, like cure it or make it go away. And it was more about changing your relationship to your pain. Why do you see that as a more helpful approach? Yeah, because pain is ultimately part of us. It is part of our bodies. And like anything, I mean, imagine being in a relationship with somebody and, you know, they're coming to you, you know, with an emotion or they have something that they want to say and you don't like, maybe they, they're coming and they're a little angry about something or they're a little sad about something and they're coming to share and you're like, oh, like, no, no, no. First, you need to get rid of this thing, right? Like you need to fix, like, they're not going to want to be vulnerable with you. Right. It's kind of like sending sending them away and it's going to be really tough to really hear what they have to say. And so it's just it's like even in order to really understand your pain, you have to build a safety with it in order to allow it to be vulnerable with you back. I think oftentimes when we are stuck trying to fight our pain or get rid of it, we cannot hear what it has to say. Like you can't do both at the same time. And, and so it puts us in an energy where it creates so much resistance and so much tension in our bodies that ironically just leads to more pain and sensitization because then your body's freaking out because it's like, oh my God, something's gone wrong that we're in pain, right? Like, ooh, this is the pain itself. It becomes a threat. So we can actually like get into this loop where, the pain is enough to just hypersensitize our, our system. And it's like, whatever the original thing has just even fallen away. It's more like, it's just pain now that we're scared of and you're just stuck in this pain fear loop. And um, the other reason though, is like, let's use your case. Your pain might be sending you a really valuable message that you want to hear, <laughs> right? Like if, if your migraines are this really like, hey, Isa, pay attention, like, you're in this, this dynamic again, that's unhealthy. And it can kind of send you this message way ahead of time before you get really deep into something. I mean, would you really want to get rid of that message? No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering if also maybe, cause I'm sure we are blowing people's minds right now. Like never thought about pain this way. I'm wondering if you could think of some examples of messages entrepreneurs pain was trying to send them that you could anonymize and give us to just expand people's realm of possibility. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to use myself as an example. So I think, again, sometimes the differentiation is, is this pain just here because it's something new and like, it's just a moment of like, I just need to move through the situation and it kind of eases up and you kind of learn that there's just these cycles where it's like, okay, I, I post something new on Instagram or I say something that was, you know, a little scary. And then for 24 hours, I have a pain flare up, but like, then it dies down. And then like, you know, it's like, I'm good. I brought in the safety. And it's like, in those cases, it's like, maybe it doesn't really, you know, maybe it's really not that disruptive once you understand it and see it right for what it is, depending on obviously like levels and things like that, that happen versus let's assume it is disruptive right? Like let's, there's even if once we've understood it, it's, there's disruption to it. It's, it's then understanding like, what is it here for? Is it trying to protect me from something that's no longer a threat? Like visibility is often the thing, or is it a sign that I'm not doing something that's aligned with me? 
So maybe you have an entrepreneur who kind of just got caught, you know, doing something or like saying a message or, you know, maybe they, I don't know, you know, learned how to life coach from somebody and there's just something that's always felt a little off about it, but they're like, this is what I learned. You know, maybe they're making decent money. They have decent clients, but it's like, they just know there's that off feeling. Maybe their pain is there to be like, Hey, like this isn't the path for you. Right. Or maybe this is exactly the path for you and your pain's just freaking out. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, you're being visible. So using myself as the example, that was mine. And when we look at like my, I used to have intense fears of like, I would post on Instagram and then like freak out or like not post on Instagram because I would be freaking out that, oh my God, if I said this, someone's going to come track me down and like take away my license and like throw me in jail. And like at the time, this was like eight years ago or like whatever. Yeah. It was a long time ago. And I was more like, I'm a nutritional therapist as well. Like I would be wanting to post like drink more water. Like it wasn't even like, like going back, I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like I've like looked back at my Instagram and I was like, seriously, I was scared of that. Like I was not even saying anything revolutionary (laughs) at all. But later on, and I didn't know this at the time, I actually healed that pattern. But later on, I discovered that not one grandparent, but two, well, one great grandparent and one one on each side got thrown in jail for having their own business. And so it's like, oh, no wonder my body had intense fears of going to jail. It's literally like in my passed down from trauma in my cells. And so that's a fear though, that it can feel like it felt so real. It felt so threatening. And I think so often people take that to be like, well, that's, I shouldn't do this, right? Like I'm just not meant to have an online business. When really what that message is trying to tell you is here is an ancestral pattern that is looking to be healed so that you can share your message with the world. Oh yeah. I remember, I think you shared a study with us. Correct me if I butchered, mm-hmm. but it was another rat study. Yeah. And it was like something bad happened to one generation of rats when they smelled something. Cherry blossoms. Cherry blossoms. <laughs> and then they tested like the children and grandchildren. And though nothing bad had happened to the children or grandchildren associated with cherry blossoms, they also had a really strong aversion to them. Is, is that how it yep. went? Yeah, they would have them. It would electric shock them when they smelled the cherry blossoms. And so they developed a fear response anytime they would smell the cherry blossom smell. And then, yes, those ones had babies and they weren't even around the parents. Like they immediately separated them from the parents at birth. So it wasn't like it was like some taught thing where the parents are like, oh, don't go over there, children. There's cherry blossoms, right? But it's like, for I think it was for like seven generations or something, the, um, the babies would have a fear response in reaction to cherry blossoms, whereas rats that weren't exposed to this do not have any response to cherry blossom smells. So it just shows how trauma does get passed down through our DNA. And there's human studies that show this too. Human studies are just way more complicated in terms of like how to study trauma without having other variables around, you know, but. Yeah. I mean, I can see so many immediate implications for that. Like for people of color who Mm -hmm. have a long history of ancestors being punished or, um, you know, like killed for having, um, like how it makes sense that that would still live in our bodies for sure. Um, yeah. So, so especially for, since most of my people have some sort of marginalized identity, like you probably have some of that somewhere in your body. (laughs) So it makes sense if it's flaring up for sure. Um, yeah, I want another one I've noticed is, I feel like for a lot of my clients, when they have chronic pain flare-ups, my interpretation is it's trying to let them know where they have not set a boundary where one is perhaps needed, like perhaps around scope of work or pricing or how many clients they take on at once. Um, That's one I've really noticed. I'm curious if you have noticed that with entrepreneur clients as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's usually related, right, to some type of like 
work-life balance, right? That's gone awry. And yeah, it's like pain can be such this indicator of like health, right? And that health in the like conventional sense, like energetic health, because when your boundaries are constantly being overridden or you're like, you know, maybe you have clients that you love, but you're like, you make yourself available to them 24 seven and you're like stressed out. And it's like, you could love what you do. Sorry, I hit my microphone. Hold on. (laughs) You could, sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) I've done it so many times on my podcast and it like zings, (laughs) Uh, but it's like, you could love what you do. Your work could be so aligned. You could love your clients, but it's just like the lack of boundaries is stressing you out. You know, maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like checking your text or who knows what. Right. And it's like, that could be your body being like, this is not okay. Like I need good sleep. Right. I need, I need to eat well. I need to rest. I need movement. I need enough water. I need enough sunshine, like all these basic things that often in, in businesses, we can lose sight of, we can lose sight of what is balanced for us and where we are in our life right now. And so, yeah, absolutely. If you are like vastly undercharging for your services, you're going to feel really taken advantage of, and that's going to start to wear like that reciprocity is not no longer there. And that's going to wear on your system for sure. Yeah, I think I'm remembering also a big revelation I had in your program was like, oh, I literally wouldn't rest without client uh, my chronic yes. pain. Like if my chronic pain didn't show up, I literally would just keep working. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And I love, I remember you speaking to this one. I love this one. This is another actually really common one, whether it's with entrepreneurs or just like other, you know, other people that the only time they take care of themselves is when they're in pain, which means pain, again, it's like taking out all the other variables we just discussed. Your body just learns that pain's a way to get itself taken care of, right? Of like, okay, well, you're not going to rest or you're not going to feed me or you're not going to like do this thing unless I hurt. So like, here's some pain, right? Which is where like the body's really smart. Like, we have to live in harmony with our bodies. We are like inside these things that take us everywhere. And like, we we can't, can't live without them. Like it requires a taking care of them. And so they're going to figure out a way to get their needs met. And so if the only time you're caring for yourself is in response to pain, it teaches your body that pain is how I get care. And that can also be in relationships too, by the way. Like oftentimes I see a lot of dynamic around um people who had parents who were pretty neglectful, but they got taken care of when they were sick or if they were hurt. So they learned pain is how I receive love, right? Like if I stay in pain, then somebody will pay attention to me and care for me because that's what their system learned when they were little. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Um, Well, I feel like we've probably blown everybody's mind right now. Um, I wanted to give people some hope about like, you're like, oh, wow. I never thought about my pain like this. I don't know where to start. I have been to 17 doctors already. And they told me there's, I just am living with this. So I'm feeling a little jaded, but I would like to have less, fewer chronic pain flare ups so I can, you know, be present for my business more. Um, where would you recommend this person start? And I know your approach you go mindset, you go somatics, you go overall quality of life. So any, any of that you want to speak to for where someone can start changing their relationship to their pain? Yeah. I first want to say that there is so much hope, like so much hope. Um, I have yet, I tend to work with people who have seen everyone and like done every online program on top of that. (laughs) And I have yet to not get results with somebody like it's if they're willing to do the work and they're signing up with me, not everyone ends up, you know, signing up to do the work that's different. But like, if you're willing to do the work and to learn and explore and use your pain as a way to grow, then like, there's no way not to grow. There's no way not to have your life improve. And so there's a few different places to start. And I always love to honor everyone where they are in their journey because we all need different things at different times. And so one of the kind of like the, I think one of the easiest places to start if you're a little hesitant, especially if you've kind of been burned a bunch is get to know your own pain response archetype 
and how you yourself respond to pain. So I have a assessment that's super easy to do. It's like a PDF with checkbox, right? Like you don't, like you're not, no one else has to see this. It gets to be done in like the comfort of your own home. And it just tells you just a little bit more about how do you, how is, what's like, what is your relationship like with pain now? And probably from a way that you have not thought to look at it. And so from there, it gives you more individualized advice based on where you are or what is showing up for you, because it really is different depending on like what type of archetype response you have. So I, I highly recommend doing that and that'll be linked in the show notes. And the other place is I do have a podcast as well. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, I have a podcast that's the Unweaving Chronic Pain podcast. So you can kind of like listen into more episodes and just, you know, start to get familiar. Like I know in this world, there's a lot of like vulnerability around talking about your pain 17 times. And you've been to so many doctors, it's like, gets a little like tiresome and hard to be like, oh my gosh, do I want to tell yet another person my story? So I just want to say, understand that. And so, you know, just listen into some episodes, see if this resonates with you. And if that's all feeling ready, then the pain to power program is absolutely the, the place for you because in it, you really learn how to work with your body. It's not some like protocol where everyone goes through the steps at the, you know, at the exact same time. And in the same way, it's really about how to listen to your body and your needs. Whereas that's where East is going to come up with her insights and somebody else could have their pain be telling them the exact opposite thing, you know? And it's like, what is your pain sending you? What is right for you? What is your next right step? And what I teach in that program is more how to build that connection and trust with your body to hear that message um, versus, you know, trying to have some global thing that works for everyone. Cause there is nothing that works for everybody. That's ridiculous. We're all very unique humans. I cannot recommend pain to power enough. It was such a revolutionary program. I'm wondering if, um, we could close with some advice. I, I want to give you a scenario I found myself in. And if uh, I know if some of my clients have found themselves in, okay, so you, um, are mid launch or you have deadlines. So you've got to serve clients. There's some urgency and you have a pain episode and you're freaking out. I'm wondering if we could talk about maybe some, all of, give an example of all of the different tools that are available from like mindset to somatics to all the, all of the stuff you cover. Um, you're an entrepreneur, you're freaking out. You're like, I have to show up. I don't have time for this pain. I'm, I'm just spinning out. What are some things I could do? options. I love this question. And so what I will first answer it with, with is I would say the first thing to do would be to go and lay on the floor or on your bed or wherever's comfortable and just pause and breathe. Like give yourself like three minutes. Like you can even set a timer because right in your, in your voice, you're like, I don't have time for this. Right. Which is exactly why it's so essential to have the pause. And even if in that pause, it means you're having a freak out, that's fine, right? But it's like the breathing isn't to like come to this perfectly calm state. It's just to have the like, hold on, let me stop this role that's happening because it's only going to cycle into more anxiety. And I'm sure you can kind of look at past, you know, episodes to know that, that that's probably true, right? We've, we've all been there, whether it's about a launch or something else. When we're, once we're in there, like, oh my God, I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we just spiral out of control. I do this too still. Like, it's not like, we're all going to get in that state. It's the like, can you catch that you're in that state enough to pause? And then I'm going to have a little bit of annoying answer of that. Like when you're mid launch, like if someone's literally like listening to this mid launch, like you, it's, it's not the time to learn new tools, right? It's like when you're kind of in like a little bit of like a crisis, all you can do is just be like, what is the next best step now? And even from that place of just lying there, it's like, okay, what is truly the one next thing I need to do? And like, okay, right. There's that like song from Frozen too, like the next best thing. <laughs> which is like a heartbreaking song if you want to cry too. Um, but, and it's just being a little bit more like, okay, like what truly do I need to do? Because I think so often when we really are in that state, 
at least I know I do that. When I'm in like crisis state, I will, f- I'll be like, oh my God, my kitchen drawer absolutely has to be cleaned right now. Like, and like, <laughs> I will like be so convinced it's true, right? It's like, you start like nitpicking everything and you're like, oh my God. And then I have to do this and this. And it's like, you literally are like giving yourself a list of things that like is so unnecessary. <laughs> so it's like really taking that pause to be like, okay, what do I really need to do? Like, what is actually like, what is actually a fire here? And usually it is very few things. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. I I love that perspective. And then like the time to new learn new tools that you will have in the event of a crisis is when you're not in the crisis. Um, I think another thing I wanted to touch on is actually like right at the start of pain to power when I was in there, I think I got in like a minor car accident. I got rear-ended and I was like, Oh no, I remember how bad this hurt the last time I got rear-ended. I'm like just going off on spirals. And, um, like you were able to interrupt it by like telling me about a study in like another country where like the race car drivers are getting rear-ended like every two seconds and no one has neck problems. Yeah. Blew my mind. But I'm wondering if you have any words of advice for those of us who are so afraid of our pain, we start catastrophizing right away when like a trigger happens. Is there any way we can de-escalate ourselves? (laughs) Yeah, I think always and like always about this like step two of the whole self um, integration method is is meeting yourself where you are. And it's just always being like, oh my gosh, right now I am catastrophizing. And just fully like owning it of like, I am just full on going full bore into a worst case scenario. And just because it brings in the awareness that we're doing it rather than try to be like, how do I stop catastrophizing? Because if we don't even take that first moment to acknowledge that we're catastrophic, and it sounds so like stupid and simple when you haven't tried it, but like there's such a difference between owning that you're catastrophizing and then being like, okay, so how do I move in a way that's supportive from here versus being like, how do I stop catastrophizing? Which again, creates this resistance energy, this like something has gone wrong because you're making it wrong that you're catastrophizing. And that only ramps your body up more because your body's like, oh my God, shit's real bad now. <laughs> like something else is wrong on top of everything else, right? Because like your brain's not super smart sometimes. <laughs> like it does not work logically at all. Don't try to logic this stuff out. And so first just being like, I'm catastrophizing. Of course I'm catastrophizing. I always catastrophize. This is what I do. And being like, I've catastrophized a million times and I've made it through every time because otherwise you wouldn't be here. And so it's just first meeting yourself there. And like, even if you can bring some humor to it, great. If not, that's okay. (laughs) And then coming into that place of awareness that the catastrophization never actually helps, (laughs) which is sometimes a harsh realization, but it's kind of like, where's this actually going to go? Like, is this catastrophizing, catastrophizing, allowing me to take like the next right step? And chances are it's not. (laughs) Um, And so from there, again, it's going to vary so much, right? Based on what's going on for you. But it's, it's allowing yourself to be like, okay, let me like really again, take stock of like what's actually like happening here and what is the next, like the question I love to ask is like, what would be most supportive to me right now? And like allowing your body to answer. It's like, it's amazing how if you really ask that question, your body will often always answer. And it might be something like just breathe. And then you're like, you body like that's not what I want to hear breathing's not going to help me I'm in a crisis and it's like no 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 just breathe first and then ask again okay so I have now breathed now what is most supportive right and it might be like a couple of really annoying answers before you can get to the state that like actually does bring you down and then actually gives you like a very actionable like step then you like no you're like okay this is really what I have to do next that's like more the outward facing action so I don't know if that answers. I feel like there's so many places you could go with it. But I'm wondering if um I okay, I'm partially remembering the nervous system ladder section. Mm-hmm. You explained a lot of people want to go from like full sympathetic to like chill. And when really there's some steps you have to move through, and some of the steps are like not what we are trained to think of as acceptable or optimum. Um 
I'm probably butchering that, but do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. So the, the nervous system ladder, and you can Google this, this is like a, if you want to like see a visual, it's when you're going in like stuck in like a freeze state in order to move from freeze to like the state that everybody loves to be in, which is a more like social, open, curious state, you have to move through sympathetic. And so sympathetic is your fight or flight state. That is like the state that has a lot of energy behind it because the freeze state, the freeze trauma response, which can also include, by the way, that bottom of the ladder and bottom not being like worse. It's just kind of like, it's just a nice visual um, can also include like fawning, which is like a people pleasing reaction, right? Where you're kind of like dissociated from yourself. And a lot of people are in like a very functional freeze. Like I would say most people live in functional freeze, which is like outwardly you're doing all the things, but you're very disconnected from self. And so what any of those states happen because there's initially a fight or flight reaction that comes up and then your body decides that's actually not going to be safe. So let's like use a, a woman who has now been approached in an alley by like this big dude, right? Like it's like a dangerous state and your initial reaction might be fight or flight, but your brain might very quickly assess the situation. Be like, there's no way I'm running from this person. Like they're faster than me. They're bigger than me. There's no way I'm fighting them because they're faster and bigger than me. So in that moment, your brain's going to shut down the fight or flight response and you'll fawn probably, which is the people pleasing. How can I appease this person? How can I like put on like, you know what I mean? Like a, a look, a flirtation or something to like get this person to be on my side and not hurt me, which is incredibly life-saving in that moment. Now, of course, this can happen on much lower levels of like your boss told you to stay late at work and your initial instinct is to be like, no, I don't want to, which is like, a, it has a lot of fight energy behind it. And they're like, oh, that's not safe. I'm going to get fired. So your brain shuts it down. You go into like people-pleasing mode of like, of course, whatever you say, you know? <laughs> and so anyways, so all of this is repressed energy to get into those like lower states and so, or like lower on the ladder states to move out of them, you have to move back through sympathetic. So it's like releasing the pressure on like an instant pot, right? Like you, the, the fight or flight energy has to go somewhere first. So often what happens is as we're actually healing, we'll access this repressed energy and it'll come out as anger, as rage, as fight, as just like this intensity in our body and we're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? This is really uncomfortable. We don't like it. Or maybe it's not socially appropriate or whatever it might be. And so we shut it back down and put ourselves right back and freeze. And like that cycle can repeat over and over for people endlessly. And what I teach in the program is how to release it in a way where you are releasing the energy, but in a safe way, because it is not, no one is advocating for don't move through fight or flight at the cash register at Kroger. Like, that's not nice. Like, you know, you don't, you're, no, I'm not advocating for taking out your anger at some person who does not deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as you were explaining that, I was like, I think that happens so often, like when we are shaping businesses in ways that feel really aligned with our values, we start realizing how freaking toxic and harmful our old corporate lives were. And we have a lot of feelings about it. And then the feelings are so big, like we feel like something's gone wrong. But like, would you say that's maybe a symptom of you having to be in a free spawn state to make it through systems that weren't good for you? And then when you have the opportunity to set things up in your own business in a way that's more aligned and healthy, that you're finally safe enough to like go to that fight place that wasn't safe enough to be in for so long? Absolutely. Yeah. I think you nailed that 100%. And I think when making decisions in your business, you know, and it might be a small decision or a big decision of like, you know, what's kind of structure of business do I want? Or maybe you're restructuring something or you're looking at your pricing. If there's a lot of like energy and agitation that comes up and you're like having a hard time making that decision, chances are, you know, maybe, maybe you're trying to up your pricing and there's just a lot of this, just like energy. And then you're like, Maybe you're getting angry about the state of the world because you're like, oh, my God, but who's going to afford it? And like, it's such bullshit that the politicians don't, you know, do this thing. And now there's poor people that are right. It's like you're going off into all these different things. And it's like, OK, you're just upping the price of your services. Like you're not asking somebody to go broke to like hire you. Right. But like, I don't know about you, but I go into existential things like this all the time. 
And so it's just recognizing it <laughs> and being like, okay, don't make the decision from th- that standpoint. Like literally go out, go and like literally do the process, release the fight or flight energy that, you know, maybe was angry because I saw so much injustice like happen. Or, you know, I'm still carrying angry from being underpaid at my you know job when I was a PT or whatever it might be, for example, go release that. And then get, guarantee when you sit down to remake that decision, I'll be like, oh, this new price feels so good. Right. Or like, or you'll be able to connect to like, oh, here is the price that is right for me right now. Cause you've released all that excess energy. It's like, you cannot make the decision until you've released that energy. Like it's gotta come out first. Oh my goodness. This is so good. Uh, Dr. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, how can people work with you and where can they follow you on the interwebs? Yes. Um, follow me on my podcast on weaving chronic pain, um, or on Instagram is by far the best place to follow me. I'm at Dr. Andrea Moore, just Dr. Andrea Moore. And, um, I have a website, drandreamore.com where you can contact me as well. I suppose I'm like, all the places. <laughs> and, but yeah, to, to, if you're interested in pain to power, because like we talked about with the tools, it's like the best time to learn the tools is before you have a crisis or before your next one. Right. It's like, at some point we just kind of have to build in the learning and our build up our toolbox and things like that. So it's, you know, the program is structured, so you can join at any time. You know, it's like, not like you have to wait for the next big thing. At least that's how it is now. It could change, but not probably not anytime too soon, but you know, there's, I'm always changing things. I don't know if what's most delight, <laughs> but, um, so it's really built to give you this toolbox so that in the case that Isa like mentioned earlier, it's like, you have a lot more tools at your disposal that you have now practiced and used to really help you move through, um, whatever's coming up for you, but not only that, make it less likely that that might even come up. I mean, stuff's always going to come up. This is never about trying to be like, oh, things are just never going to come up for me. Cause that's ridiculous. That's not how life works, but it's that you can just move through them so much smoother. So pain to power program, just go ahead and, you know, DM me on Instagram and just ask me about it. And I will tell you all the information. Yeah. And I just want to add on to that brag, like the variety of tools Dr. Andrea offers in this program is so cool. So there's like somatic body-based release tools. There is mindset stuff. There is group support. There is meditations. There's ancestral healing. Like there are, there's so many tools you can pick from. It's really cool. Anyway, all those links will be in the show notes. Thank you again, Dr. Andrea. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to take the free pain archetype assessment that Dr. Andrea mentioned, you'll find it linked in the show notes, along with how to work with and follow her. You'll also find how to work with and follow me, including the brand storytelling package, which is what I did for Dr. Andrea to help clarify her messaging and make sales page copy and onboarding easier. All of that is linked in the show notes. And as always, please subscribe and drop me some stars because it makes me so happy and it helps other people to find this fabulous free resource. Love you lots, XOXO, your marketing confidence cheerleader signing off. Thank you.